Welcome back to the Comic Corner. I'm here, as usual. Uh, this is Team Up. I'm here with my co-host, Dad. We love talking comics, and this week uh, in the book club, we are talking Exit Stage Left, The Snagglepuss Chronicles. Or is it... Yes, that's exactly... That's the actual name of it. I thought it was... Hell of an opening. Yeah. Exit Stage Left Chronicles. You know, it's how it goes. It's Exit Stage Left, that Rush album. Yeah. <laughs> it was... Like, real quick, uh, it was awesome. Uh, I love it. But let's get into some other stuff real quick. Dad, have you read anything this week that was pretty cool? I uh, caught up on Excalibur. That was fun. The X-Men Excalibur. Um, yeah. Oh, I read the new Nightwing. Thought it was boring as shit. Uh, I did not. Um, yeah, I mean, it's still just the, the misadventures of Dickie Boy. And the whole, yeah, it's, I don't know, it didn't go anywhere and it just seems like they're really forcing this angle for the Joker war. However, um, what was it, Detective Comics that had the tie-in about Clown Killer was cool. Yeah, I haven't done that yet. I've, uh, I've, I haven't caught up on Joker war since last week, I think when they did uh, Batman 96. Yeah. I haven't caught up since then. Uh, Thor six came out today. That was good. That's got a, Ooh, Ooh boy. That's got a twist in it. I can't wait to read that. And then, uh, Oh, I fucking, it, it took me all day, but I finally tracked down Maestro. Oh, Maestro one came out today. And, uh, I thought that was last week. No, it's this week. Interesting. So that came out and that's, uh, going to see where that goes. Cause there's a whole lot of unexplored territory there. Oh, uh, according to my notes that I've every Wednesday, I usually sit down and I write down all the names of every comic that I would like to read, uh, says a list. And from my notes, it said Maestro came out two weeks ago. Oh, that list is wrong because everything I went through today said it came out today. Yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, Uh, I've been wrong before and so is the internet, you know? I think that was kind of it. Uh, uh, yeah, like Empire didn't really do anything. This this whole Empire event isn't really going anywhere, but I get it because it's like, you know, the mutants are using plant gates. Well, we got to introduce plant bad guys. Well, so on that, uh, I'm glad you bring that up because the cool thing that I read this week and I've been catching up on. Swamp Thing. Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. That, that's been a curious run, too. So I've been reading that since the beginning. Uh, they've had some really cool uh, story arcs, and they've had some really lame ones, and they've also had some really confusing ones. In fact, uh, the original Comic Corner uh, article that this podcast was birthed from, you can go check it out on uh, itdemboys.com, is uh, I did one about the Immortal Hulk and Thing. There's like a two-issue arc where the thing goes on vacation and he runs oh, yeah. the Hulk and he breaks his arm. Yeah. And you get to see all like the weird pink bubbly stuff under the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it was a pretty cool, uh, cool, like little arc to, uh, to read, but this one, since, you know, the team, the fantastic four is dealing with all the empire nonsense. Uh, this was Valeria and Franklin trying to save the children that they won in a casino? Yeah. Yeah, they did. 
who are both like the the two children are the collective histories and spirits of the Kree and Skrull empires. Kind uh, of, it's more of like their children raised as gladiators to see themselves that way. I think. Uh, who knows? But uh, in these issues, they get there, they get taken down by plant people ninjas. Yeah, it's the um, the Kotadi. Yeah, this is like the this like faction that's been on Earth and living in the Himalayas forever and no one noticed. Yep. Uh, classic. At, classic comic book trope. And uh, they come to get the kids and Valeria freaks out and she hits like the the four alarm is what it's called, I think is what they call it. And it's like a thing that like rolls, goes through the Fantastic Four's Rolodex and yeah tells you know contacts people to come help yeah it's like whoever's closest by yeah and it's just a ringing in their ears typically is at least how it was explained by spider-man and wolverine which were the two characters to come to the rescue and it's definitely a nod and i'm sure it's going to build up to the most one of the most famous fantastic four not fantastic four issues or stories where you've got Hulk, Ghost Rider, Spider-Man, and Wolverine as the Fantastic Four against Mole Man and the Moloids. Yeah, that's definitely, uh, yeah, because I'm like, caught up. That, that is something from, like, way back. But, yeah, they're, they're going to play with that for a little bit in this, it seems like, in this, like, weird offshoot of the Empire Have you seen uh, Tony built a uh, uh, suit for the Fantastic Four? So they're, like... Fantastic Four, Fantastic Fourified Iron Man suits. So, but since you're saying that, I think that's in the Avengers. Right? I guess Empire. my question is: Is it like each person gets a suit, or is it like some Voltron shit? Because that Voltron would be way more Fantastic Four. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But um, I think at that point, you only see Reed with it. Okay, he, uh, so Reed you don't and Tony. Know. Reed and Tony are working on, you know, solving this whole. Yeah, stuff. they're gonna try to blow up the Earth's core, like again. Yeah, science stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a me- Marvel's a mess right now, but you know, I don't mind. Yeah, I mean, they're a mess, but you know, they're making. They're, they didn't just go. They didn't just lay off twenty uh, percent of their staff like DC did. So yeah, that was fun. They did uh, cancel Doctor Strange though, so that sucked. I'm sure they'll, he'll come back with something else. Though, however, they did announce um, they're doing they're going to start doing a new Eternals run. Yeah. And what was the other? The one? Eternals haven't shown up in comics like except for like one story in the last like ten years though. Isn't yeah, it? but you know they're making the movies, so they got to get that cake. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of what happened with the Guardians of the Galaxy, so. I mean, you know, lightning typically doesn't strike twice, but I'm pretty sure Disney controls the weather, so... I would also say Thor begs the dipper. That's a lot of craziness. Uh, Like I said, for me, it was Fantastic Four. Um, But let's let's get into this week. Like I said, we did Exit Stage Left, the Snagglepuss Chronicles. Uh, It was published by DC uh, when they did a big chunk of reimagining of the Hanna-Barbera characters. Um... And in this, it is uh, just a quick little blurb. 
uh, Snagopus is a gay playwright in the 1950s, victimized by McCarthyism, which uh, witch hunts against communist infiltration in the United States. Oh, McCarthy. that's like, like yeah, I guess that's what it is. Like at the top most level, but it is so much more than that. Yeah, but I mean, it's like like I said, the uh, the review I read about it was it was Trumbo with cartoons. I don't know, like Trumbo is a movie that came out literally about the writer. I can't remember his name, his first name for the life of me now. I want to say it's Walter Trumbo. Dalton Trumbo, I'm sorry. And uh, who was a screenwriter in the 40s and 50s who was straight up blacklisted. So it's talking about the blacklist within Hollywood because Hollywood's filled with deviants, debutantes, sodomites, et cetera, et cetera. Classic. Yeah, you know. Um, but I thought this this did a better job of telling the Trumbo story than Trumbo because it also got into uh, just like what I mean, what the LGBT community had to go through at the time as well. Yeah, well, and Trumbo so, didn't oh, entirely touch on that. Um, uh, some of the reviews that I read, and I had never actually heard this term, is that this doesn't actually. I mean, yes, it is part of the Red Scare, but it's really part of the Lavender Scare. Is yeah, really yeah. what it is, and because, I've never heard of the lavender scare before, because you know public schools. Yeah, uh, that sounds right. So I looked into it a little bit, and it's like, oh yeah, no, that's definitely what this was. Right. Like, it's it starts as like a red scare, but then you it, realize you, very quickly that it is not. You can only hear someone be called the deviant so many times mm-hmm. before, uh, yeah, they're talking about their sexual orientation. Yeah. Um. And so this was written by Mark Russell. Uh, he did a great job. He was born in 1971. Uh, there is almost nothing about his personal life at Quick Glance at the Internet. Uh, he was born in Springfield, Oregon, uh, and he lives in Portland with his wife and family. Uh, he self-published in the early 2000s uh, stories and cartoons in a zine called The Penny Dreadful. And uh, that is uh, kind of it. Uh, he did Prez for DC. That was like his debut in comics, which I read, and that's really weird that that was also him. Uh, Prez is a reboot of something from like the 70s. Uh, after that, he was hired to write The Flintstones, which is the first reimagining for the Hanna-Barbera characters he did. And then this came third. So this is his third thing he ever wrote in comic books. Okay. And the Flintstones is also high, like was very highly regarded when it came out. Everyone loved it. It is a 12 issue series. It is awesome. And they and like they were like, all right, we're gonna do even better. And then he did the Snagapus Chronicles. Uh, for awards, let's see, what is what does this have for awards? Uh, it won a Glad Award for Outstanding Comic Book in 2019, or was it 18? Yeah, the 2019. Uh, the series was nominated for an Eisner Award for Best Limited Series. And Russell was nominated for an Eisner Award for Best Writer. Uh, oh, he did uh, Wonder Twins, too, after this. Interesting. 
fun fact, the Wonder Twins uh, were first created for the all-new Super Friends Hour. Uh, I believe that. With you know the, all the, the Justice League characters and then ended up in comics. So they are technically also a Hanna-Barbera character. Yep, Super Friends, right? Yeah, yeah. The My man Harvey Birdman. Well, were, before he got into law when he was just Birdman. Yeah, the all-new Super Friends Hour. Uh, was Birdman in those... I don't think Birdman was part of that. Birdman was definitely part of the Super Friends. That's how. Yeah. Birdman, Super Friends Wiki. Bam. He Damn. then retired from superhero life. He got his law degree and he ended up working at 7 and 7 Law Firm. I still, <laughs> I still need to. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, did you get that thing I sent you? That was going to be it. I'm so disappointed Peter Potamus didn't once say, did you get that thing I sent you? No, I'm so disappointed in the way that... that, that was my, my only, the only thing I didn't like about this was that Peter Potamus did not reference his, his one line in Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. That I was think, the only thing. It, well, his character killed me in general because I like, don't think he got any... He didn't get nearly enough time as he should have. Well, I think that's it. Like Peter Potamus wasn't even a big character on uh even like the Hanna Barbera cartoons like no. you know like Oggy Doggy and Squidly Diddly who eventually come in down the lines like they weren't these weren't the most popular characters. Even Snagglepuss started as a side character before being the host of uh, uh Laughamania or whatever yeah. or something like that. Uh that's true. But anywho. Yeah I guess let's let's just do like a quick rundown of you know like where this goes. I mean like we said Snagglepuss is a as a play a gay playwright in New York City. Uh, he's portrayed as a Tennessee Williams type character. Oh yeah, even down to the way he looks and the way he dresses is straight up Tennessee Williams. Yeah, and like I'm pretty sure one of the plays or all of his plays have like some Brando type character on his knees yelling, just like in Streetcar Named Desire. Mm-hmm. Like the it just kind of follows him through the first. Five issues all follow, you know, they're they're back to back. They follow the whole thing. Uh, they go to Stonewall quite a bit. He's got a boyfriend named Pablo. Uh, Stonewall, his, by the way, is a bar, is a is a quietly is is a quiet gay bar run by the mafia in uh, Greenwich Village, I believe they say it's in. Yes, and they get uh, they bribe the police, and that's what uh. Quick draw McGraw is doing there as he's collecting bribes. Comes from a long line of police horses. Yep. Uh, and then it shows him trying to, like, it starts off with his uh, most recent play, Closing. He's like, oh, I've already got another one. And it starts with the production of this new play, which turns out to be, I mean, he doesn't write another one in the story, but he changes, you know. So he writes this whole play. I like how, like, towards the end, you figure out what the play is actually about instead of just, like, the various scenes you get throughout it. And it all kind of comes together with those last few scenes at the very end. Uh, but they, he's through the production of this new play. He gets called before the committee on... Uh, the, House committee, the House Committee on Un-American Activities. Yes, for his second time. Yes, uh, at the same time, his friend, uh, his best friend in the world, Huckleberry Hound, Huckleberry Hound, shows up out of the blue in New York to, to 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 see him, and he asks him, you know, what's going on, and he finds out, uh, Huck 
has been outed by a private investigator to his wife uh, for having an affair with another man. Uh, she tells him that they won't get the police involved if he leaves. Because they're down south. Oh, yeah. Down from Missouri. Yeah. The police will show up for that kind of stuff. Yes, they will. Uh, so he leaves his son and his wife. And he is honestly the most depressing character in a comic that I have read in a long time. I mean, he's one of the most depressing characters in cartoons. Yes, but he really, whew. Uh, I believe there's a there's a great scene in the book early in the book where uh, the the main actor of the play just isn't quite getting it. He just doesn't believe the character's real. There's no way the character he's playing could be real because quote no one man could fit that much sorrow inside of himself. And Snagglepuss says, "Well, come out to dinner with me and a friend tonight, and I'll talk. We'll talk about it." And he introduces him to Huckleberry Hound. And then that actor puts on the performance of his life the next day at practice at uh, rehearsal for sure. Yeah. Uh, by, by the by, the character is based on Huck. Which it's a kind of alluded to, but it's not confirmed until way later. Yeah, it gets it's very overt towards the end. Uh, but yeah, they go through their thing, dude. Huck falling in love with Quickdraw was beautiful. So that also uh, that leads to arguably the most heart one of the most heart-wrenching scenes in which quick draw has to knock out huck because they're raiding the stonewall they, yeah so they raid the the police because all right so let's roll this back um the the house committee of un-american activities hires someone to essentially be their lead prosecutor and i, I love the quote when they introduce her they say i introduced you someone whose name is synonymous with decency and morality. Everybody, Gigi Allen. Like, <laughs> that is one of the best setups and jokes. And I, I don't know how many readers got it and know that Gigi Allen used to smear feces on his face and, like, was born who's named Jesus Christ and all this other, the, the, the legend of Gigi Allen. Just the punk slice, we would just, like, slit his wrists on stage yeah, and bleed puke on, on the front people row. And, and, like, yeah, uh, what is it? Uh, Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies, I believe, was his band. Yeah, because he... He, he was tried, on Springer he, at one point. Well, he tried, like, his whole bit was he was going to overdose on stage. Yeah, he wanted to die on stage. And he tried, like, a bunch of times and was stopped every, I I don't know how he actually died, but I'll um, always yeah. remember that scene in one of the CKY movies where they, like, go to Gigi Allen's grave and one of the dudes from CKY, like, the band CKY is just trashed. Talk about how much he loves Gigi Allen and how much he hates everyone else in the world. But he loves Gigi Allen. That's his hero. And as a 15-year-old kid, just like, wow, I know who Gigi Allen is. That sucks that you love him. Yeah, that's an awkward uh, hero to have, I guess. Yeah. Well, I don't like this band anymore. Yeah, I mean, you can respect Gigi Allen, but like once you start living up to his moralities and ideals, I think that's when we start to get a little... Uh, uh, a little off, a little off topic, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so they introduce Gigi Allen. Go on, continue. Yeah. Um. So she actually sets it up. So she is the one who's like, we need to get someone, and Snagglepuss is at the top of their list because they he's already come in, and it's a kind of an unspoken thing that he is within the LGBT plus community. You know. Yes, everyone so, knows he's a a lightfoot, as they put it. At yes, one point. as as they do put it. So they're like, 
she ends up getting him a tail and that's how they discovered the stone wall. And then NYPD, they're like, yo, we got to go bust some heads. And the night, the day after Huck and Quickdraw begin their affair, Quickdraw has to brutally take Huck down and he uses some language that's got some hard G's in it. Yes. Like it is, and just the, it's, it's like a full you page. You can feel the hate. Oh yeah. It's like a the full self-hatred page. out of his mouth with the words he says. And well then right after they haul him all away, he immediately collapses into tears. Yep. But uh, yeah, that, and then that of course leads to the second, that second most shocking and controversial thing. Which uh, would be the end of our dear friend Huckleberry well, Hound. I was say we'll get there, but like we got to do some. There's some other things we got to go through here. Yeah. Uh, the Huckleberry Hound stuff, yes, but leading up to all of this, you got Snagglepuss dealing with the the committees. There's another subplot uh, where he's trying to deal with the fact that he has a wife uh, who knows that he's gay and just wants some affection from her, and he cannot give it to her. Yeah. And, Lila, who is also another character within the Hanna Barbera universe. Yes, and, and it's, I, they actually they subvert that because it's always Snagglepuss chasing Lila in the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, another way, like they the the way that they flipped all of these characters on their head and made it so poignant, I think is just an, a, another layer of why this fucking series was so good. I think this might have been one of the smartest things we've read so far. Far and away. Like this, like maybe Nameless. Yeah. Like, and even, I would say this more than Nameless. Cause this like. Nameless got a little too abstract. Uh, yeah. Whereas this like reading through it when it came out in 2018, you were like, oh, you're taking real pot shots at America right now. And like, what's going on? Huh? Who does that be more it poignant? To, then you read later. it again. Yeah. You read it now. And you're like, oh, it's even more. Oh. Yeah. I would put yeah. this up with, um the Lemire that we read underwater yes. dive underwater welder. Absolutely. But yeah, so he's dealing with the committee who he just takes to town. Well, he takes them to town after uh, he finds out that Huck has killed himself. Yeah. Hung himself. Yeah. He's told that after he demands that Huck comes and lives with him and his wife, he sends Lila to pick him up and Lila has to get help to open the door and they find him hanging. So the impetus to all of this is that after the, um, after the raid of the Stonewall, it is front page news that Huckleberry Hound was in the bar all because at the very last minute, Snagglepuss changed his plans to meet Huck there and instead yep. finally introduced Lila to his lover, Pablo, who ends up going to join the Cuban Revolution. Like, I love that they just have that as an aside. Yeah, right. I think his, like, it might actually be a, a like a character of the of like the revolution that if you looked up you would find him. Yeah, I only know about Che and Fidel, so. But yeah, he takes them to town and the whole time he's it's they're introducing like we said Peter Potamus yep. where he's, do that's he's, not, his stagehand, stage director. He's the director, yep, of the play. You've got Squilly Diddley who is the stage manager. Uh then there's a nice joke earlier in there where he's like, "Well, we need to find a new stage manager, preferably one with more than two arms. And then, yeah, so he goes, and another subplot is that Snagglepuss is going to an elderly home, a retirement home. Uh, yes, that, this is the one I really want to talk about. Because um, I always forget about this until- Me too. I mean, I, after reading it, I was like, oh, it's got to be that. But it, it is there that he finds Squiggly Diddly playing guitar to entertain 
the the elderly folks. And by the way, I love how militant the elderly folks are. Like in that first scene, you meet them right as Snagglepuss is walking out. Some old dude walks up to Squidly Diddly and just goes, "You know, I killed an octopus in the war." Yeah. And you're just like, oh, Squidly, get out of there, bro. Yeah. But, you know, he's going there. He's talking to this older gentleman. Uh, whose son was in the theater. Whose son was in the theater. And it's always framed as, as this almost community service that he's doing. Yeah. But as it progresses and he introduces Lila to this man and everything and they talk about it. And then you find out, like, after the old, like, Snagglepuss comes one day and the old man's dead. And and this is well at the end of the comic. This is in the this sixth is after, issue. Yeah. Fifth or sixth issue This is when this happens. I think it's in six. And he's got the box of all the old man's stuff and it's very confusing until the woman goes, oh, and one, and one last thing you almost forgot. And she hands him this framed picture of the old man as a younger man with his son who is and a... And his wife. And his wife who are pink mountain lions. Yep. So you find out that he's just been talking to his father the whole time. And then that's when he goes, Scott, my name, my birth name is Scott. Puss. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a, that was another like real heartbreaking moment. Cause the whole time the old man is talking about how all he, all he want, all he thought was that if he found his, his son, the right woman, it would change everything. And that he was such a disappointment because he went to the theater with all of the other people of his ilk and stuff like that. And you're just sitting there like, oh, man. Like, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, and this, this stuff that happens every day. And yeah. It's, it's just like another example of uh, not just the bigotry that goes on, but even like the horrors of dementia. Mm-hmm. That was another, yeah, because the fact that he didn't recognize him at any yeah. point. Nope. And, and from the sounds of it, I don't think he had recognized Snagglepuss in quite some time. No, absolutely not. It seems like one of those, every time he goes there, he has to remind him, I'm just some guy who comes by to talk to you. It's like the most of a reminder that he gives his father at any given time. And then there, there is at one point where there's like a slight reconciliation where he's just like, like, I hope you do well. And I hope you're fine. Like when he tucks him into bed and you're like, that's, that's like, that's it. Like those are probably the most tender moments that happen between those two characters and one of them is completely like mentally apart, like yep. barely in the room, you know? Yeah. This whole thing was sad as shit. Yeah, it was. But at the same time, it was, it, so like, good. It was uplifting in the weirdest way too. Like yeah. it was horrifically sad, but it's like the kind of. Well, like Butters, the end of Underwater Wilder. Butters says it best. He likes, you like to be that kind of sad. Because that means that there was something that made you so happy in your life that you could be that sad. Who said and that, that means that something that, that makes you that happy could come along again. Butters in South Park. Oh, Butters, all right. In the rain during the goth episode. That's true, yeah. Uh, and Stan's like, oh, you're sad? Why don't you, why don't you be a goth? And he's like, no, I don't want to be a goth. Like, I'm happy that I'm this sad because that means that something, you know, Something in my life made me so happy that I could be this sad now that it's gone. Oh, Butters. You're the and who, best characters on yeah, television. And who's to say I can't find that kind of happiness again? You're just like, oh, it's so beautiful. Butters, you're so up, you're so optimistic. It makes me puke. Yeah. But that was that's kind of how this whole book made me feel. Yeah. 
like horrifically sad, but also really awesome. Uh, I didn't realize that Gigi Allen was based on Roy Cohn. Like the character? Yeah. Oh, no. I, was it the same twist? Because I don't know anything about Roy Cohn. Yes, yes. He was gay. All right, that's what I thought. Because that was, I mean, um, it, they're not even like, I don't want to say they're ham-fisted, but they're really not hiding it. Because you can no. tell like all the vitriol that she's filled with. And then when she's like, I live alone. And then suddenly's like, I have a roommate. And you're like, oh, I, oh, oh. Well, no, she said, I never married. I live alone uh, yeah. with a roommate. Yeah. You could say I'm married to the job. Yeah. You're like, oh, that line. Um, but uh, Roy Cohn is also usually um, mentioned as a huge influence on uh, current top politicians um who hopefully won't be current for very much longer no that doesn't surprise me but yes that look into it it's i would say if you look into it it's fucking some evil dark shit oh yeah that whole that whole period was yeah uh but roy cohen specifically in what he did afterwards um but getting to your point of like the uplifting factor like that's something that I wish they gave that bartender a name. You know, that bartender who got his eye knocked out in the raid. Yeah. Which was nasty. Like, I love that because it's one quick, like, panel of him getting clubbed in the side of the head. And then they bring him back three issues later in, like, what, 10 years, you could argue, have passed at that point. He's wearing a fucking eye patch. I think they say it's five. All right, five. But, like, still, here's like, oh, yeah, by the way, got my eye knocked out during that raid. No big deal. Yeah, Yeah, right. And, like... He then goes on to tell Snagglepuss, like, that committee, that testifying, you may have lost everything, but you've made this a new normal. And they go on to list of all of the welcoming places that have opened up to prove that, like, people of this lifestyle should be allowed and can live amongst us. Well, he even says, he's like, I fought Town Hall and I lost everything. and Nothing mattered. He goes, you didn't fight Town Hall to win. You fought Town Hall to prove that it could be done. Yep. And you're just like, oh, yes. Fucking Snagglepuss. Oh, it's so fucking good. And like when Quickdraw comes to him there in that end and like with, with the job offer and then they start making cartoons together and they get did, like Squiggly Diddly in there. Yep. And Huck Jr. Huck Jr. is, I legitimately almost cried there at that end when, with Huck Jr. is just like Huck's good enough. Huckleberry Hound is good enough for me. And you're like, oh yep. God, you love your oh. dad so much. You didn't turn out like your mom. Yeah, you love your dad. Fuck. But even that, that's a wonderful parallel because early on they show when they have uh, Snagglepuss and Huck on that TV that TV show when he's talking about how he never wants to do television because you know TV makes everything TV makes it all two dimensional. And like the, the stage allows for more growth and mm-hmm. television produces stars, which it, people want to be like the stars, whereas theater produces characters and it shows the audience who they really are. Yeah. And then stars are uh, celebrities show people who they want to be yep. and actors show people who they are. Yep. And then Snagglepuss ends up uh, working in television. Yep. Uh, and it, But the, the line that Quickdraw says in their like discussion about it, it it's only like cause he's just like it's goofy and it's stupid. And he goes, It's only stupid if you make it stupid. You're the writer. 
Yeah. Like, so, and that's one of those like super pa- like it doesn't like, so you don't want to do something. Well then just like, it doesn't have to be dumb. Like you could just make it not dumb. Yeah, God just forbid. Make it better. Yeah. Ah, uh, that was such a good, such a good, good, like ending scene for everything. And you could see how weathered he got in those five years. Oh too. yeah, Snagglepuss did not do well. In those He's like years. not as pink anymore. He's more of like a dirty blonde in some of the stuff. Yep, like some of the shots with his hair. And then you get him in the they paint him orange and call him Snaggletooth. Which is exactly how the character first appeared in, what is it, 59, I believe? Yes. Yes. On the Quick Draw McGraw show. Yup. First appearance, 59, Quick Draw McGraw. Uh, and they, they even reference it when he's like, hey man, in a couple of years, like maybe you can just like be you and we can just call you Snagglepuss and not be orange and uh, known as Snaggletooth. And sure as shit, in reality, three years after he premiered, he was pink and known as Snagglepuss. Yep. And like we were just talking about, I totally forgot that he was voiced by the guy who did the Cowardly Lion. Yep. Um, I'm reading about uh, like Bert, uh, how Lar took Kellogg's cereal to court. Oh, yeah. When they were using the Pink Panther or using like similarities of the character. Oh, yeah. They had to call it Snagglepuss voice by Dawes Butler uh, as, a decla- as a disclaimer on each commercial. Yeah, I like can't say, I can't, like, can't say enough about this, how good it is. In fact, uh, I, right before we started, I was looking up uh, the collected editions because I think this is something I want to buy. I want to own this for the collection. Oh, I might have some of the single issues. So I would assume the character that Pablo is based off of is actually Tennessee Williams' lover who was Mexican who was uh Pancho Rodriguez Lopez I'm sorry Pancho Rodriguez there's no last name but I can't find it right now interesting Pancho Rodriguez y Gonzalez was Tennessee Williams quote-unquote muse yeah I don't see any connection between him and uh you know revolutions but yeah you want to get down to some final thoughts I mean everybody Everybody needs to go read this. Yeah, again, this is definitely like one or two of the things, like if we're going to rank everything we've read, this is definitely up there. Yeah. So uh, so everyone got to read this. For me, I would say uh, you should absolutely read it. You might even, I would say definitely do a little bit of homework before you read it. And maybe yeah. check out some of the old uh, Hanna Barbera cartoons. I would do that. There's also like if you want to look into the writers at that time, like look into Tennessee Williams. That'll obviously give you a lot of insight into what's going on. But like there's references to the Algonquin group, which was like yeah. a group of writers from before that time. But they were writers specifically for newspaper. They weren't like novelists and playwrights. Though I think one of them, I think one of them wound up being a pretty famous novelist. But they were essentially like. I, Sat- satire writers, witticists, if you will. Which makes total sense with a character who is famous for his one-liners, that that would be his, you know, favorite things. Yep. And the they did one... have one Heavens to Murgatroyd. Yes, they did. Yes, they, they, I, that, I, that was the name. It was the name of the fifth issue, too, I believe. Yes, but that was, because I think that's what he says it in, is 
that issue. Yeah. Um, All right. No, hang on. We got to talk about it. Favorite subplot, Arthur Miller sleeping with Marilyn Monroe while she's married to Joe DiMaggio and him having to deflect to Snagglepuss to make sure that Joe DiMaggio doesn't track down Arthur Miller. And I think he says, well, I mean, he's been hitting 345 this whole year. What's he going to do to me? (laughs) Yeah, that was a really good one. Um, But the best part of that scene is – the single panel of Snag was screaming into yeah, the don't phone. Don't ever fucking make me do that again. Yeah, with like teeth bare. Oh yeah, that's one of the only times you see Snagglepuss like as a lion. You know, bare. Like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. He's a lion. I forgot that he's an animal. He's not the pink panther. He's a fucking mountain lion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was such a good subplot. I think for me, it's probably the only subplot that wasn't heartbreaking because then you find out. Well, I mean, if you fall historically, it's pretty heartbreaking because Marilyn Monroe dies soon afterwards. But yeah, like you yeah. then find out that Arthur Miller and Marilyn got married. Yeah, I don't, yeah, it's there's a lot of subplots. They're all heartbreaking. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of heartbreakingness. I like the. I guess mine is. It's more, I guess, of a character plot where they keep referencing the fact that Snagglepuss's like big thing is he's really into second chances for everybody, and he'll always find like he'll always find work if you need help for you. Yep. So, that's like, that's so, yep. Oh, my career literally went up in flames and it's a panel of him running away from a theater on fire. Yeah. And it's just like, and he gave me a job directing same with Squidly. Just like, yeah, I just like perform at nursing homes. Like, no, you're better than that. Come do some stuff with us. Like come be in plays and on this cartoon. Uh, I guess that. Yeah, although I will say one of the most heartbreaking scenes that I really like uh, is the first night out with Huck and where he tries to pick up that guy at the do- like at the pier. And yeah. the whole time, uh, Snagglepuss is yelling, like, like religious things, almost. Like, very, like, heavily religious, like, Mother of Mercy and all this other stuff. Well, I think those are also just, like common colloquialisms at the time you know what i mean yeah to a degree but yeah, that's where is that uh, uh it's at the end of what's at the end of one right it's at the end of one or the beginning of two beginning of two right yeah because uh, i know you're talking and it's just like that beautiful like southern naivete from huck where he's yeah. just like oh this is how you do it right and then he just starts like serenading this new york punk in a leather jacket on what i assume is like the brooklyn bridge yeah and immediately gets punched in the mouth. Yep. Hard. Yeah. I think he's got a, a black eye in the next, like, in a panel that comes shortly afterwards from that incident. Yeah, I'm trying to find it. Well, sorry. No, there, I just came past a Huck eating his TV dinners. Oh, when he opens the fridge and it's just full of TV dinners. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, then you've got Snagglepuss eating them in the sixth issue by himself. Yep. Yeah, it's that return. But yeah, no, uh, Snaggle puts, oh dear God of corn, angels of the Lord stay his hand. Just, yeah. Oh no, uh, Huck has the black guy after he gets the shit kicked out of him by Quickdraw. Oh, that's when he has the black guy. Okay. Yeah. Which again, that was probably the most shocking scene. Yeah. It's just so, it's so fucking heavy. It had to happen, though. Yeah, it did. 
it really like I hate that it had to happen, but it had to happen. That was yeah, a real, yeah. real crusher. All right. Quick total side note. Uh, did you read the one with this detective Sasquatch bullshit at the end? So uh, it's all of them. Every okay. issue has it at the end of it. It has a piece of the store of this larger story. Uh, I read it way back when. I did not reread it for this one. It's goofy. It's nice. Um, was it just supposed to be like a palate cleanser? Yeah, kind of. Uh, it's just like something at the back of the book. I think the what happened was with this is that the page count of the book was more than the story. And instead of overblowing the story, they were like, well, let's put, let's put uh, like you said, a palate cleanser at the back because it's just a goofy Sasquatch girl came to the big city to be a detective and you just there's a lot of wet dog smell jokes gotcha i did just Uh, see a beautiful comment uh Gigi allen looks exactly like ayn rand yeah yeah that's yeah that's weird yeah dude i I just got to the arthur miller scene where he thinks dimaggio's after him her boyfriend is DiMaggio. He had a 325 lifetime batting average. It's a pretty terrifying scene, you know? Yeah, because then it's just DiMaggio, who looks a lot like Richard Nixon, by the way, in this. Well, until you get Nixon at the end of the book. Yeah, and then he looks a lot like Nixon. With Nixon and Khrushchev just, like, having a corn fight. Oh, yeah, with just, like, that pissed-off farmer who doesn't want them on their, in their yeah, land. Yeah, they're just, like, so pal- Watching Nixon and Khrushchev like pal around at in this in the scenes in the sixth book, yeah, was so insane that I want to watch that cartoon. Like I want someone on I want Comedy Central to pick that up as like a cartoon that they broadcast for at least yeah. one season. When he tell when he tells his assistant that the Americans need to make sure they have a rotisserie chicken for when Khrushchev gets there. The spinny chicken thing, I think, is what he calls it. That's yeah. This the spinny chicken thing is how he puts it. Uh, it was such a weird juxtaposition like with what was going on in the actual story to have that as a thing but I mean it makes sense because Khrushchev like this happened all the time with the Soviets whenever uh, the US would be like hey Soviet Russia you know what's up with those millions of people you're murdering in your gulag and he'd be like they, the Russians were always like well what about the, the plight of black Americans how can we be bad and that's actually where the common phrase now, the whataboutism, came from. The Soviets invented that technique. So it's hysterical yeah. that the Republicans now are great with it, but we're not going to go there. Um, no. But no, that's, that's a thing that happened all throughout the 70s. And to use that as the juxtaposition is like, it, it was a good parallel, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, they had that weird Cold War. I guess the Cold War sub, I mean, it's more of a sub, more than a subplot. Yeah, because like it's go, that's why they're doing this, because it's like the, the House of... Or the House Committee on American Activities was trying to show that as a culture we were morally superior to the yeah. Soviets, so they can't have these deviants, as they keep calling them, running around. Well, also, uh, I was thinking more of uh, how it flashes back and forth between, like, Doomtown. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, that secondary, that's when they're testing the bomb. Yeah, and they yeah, show, yeah, thing. all the bomb stuff, because, like, the first one, there's some scenes about them ha- like, the the people who hand the the plans for the bomb over to them 
who swore they didn't do anything as they were executed. And then in the second one, there was the building and the testing. And the third one was the, where they're like sitting on the deck, like far off and watch the mushroom cloud. And yeah, it's also, I love that Augie Doggy writes a biography about Snagglepuss and just makes cake off of it. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. I mean, Augie Doggy is such a great character. such a, He's such a great ancillary character in this because he's very background. Yeah, because like he shows up to help on the production and then it's like, hey, I'm rich because I wrote that book about you. Like, that's it. Yeah. Like, the, he bookends this, I feel like. Yeah. Like, as like the one who made it out. Like, oh, uh, and then when they show you that Huck wasn't even like, he was 34. <sighs> I did not see that. Yeah. Well, I just came to the tombstone 1919 to 1953. I mean, that's pretty old for a dog. Ah, ugh. But it makes sense I don't know why, that that's how old he was. I don't know why it bugged me, but I wish they just would have given Quickdraw real hands instead of, like, the three weird hooves. Because that's what he had in the comic, er, in the cartoons. I know, I get it, but every other character has hands and fingers. Uh, well, the bear's got, like, bear paws. Yeah, like, he, but even, doesn't the pig have, like, hands? I don't know. He pro- I, I don't remember, but he probably had the, like, hooved finger, where, like, the fingertips are hooves. Yeah, probably. Also, uh, upon looking on it, Squidly Diddly's terrifying. Yes, yes, like a like a Mike Vasquez uh, like sculpture. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if you know who that is, but he's the guy who makes like the super hyper realistic like Simpsons statues. Like oh Jesus, no. Where their like their skin color is like real skin and shows you like why like the hair is just part of the head and. Uh, they're horrific. Or like SpongeBob and Patrick as like reimagined as humans. Yeah, those are gross. Yeah. All right, uh, yeah, so the pig does have the hooves. Yeah. I said get. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it was awesome. I like can't say enough that you should that you should read this. Also, I just came across it, but when they're on the set of the Quick Draw show and it's the burrow just smoking a cigarette on stage. <laughs> so good. Oh, I forget who the Burrow is. It's uh, like he shows up in Harvey Birdman. He's a quick draw character, obviously. Yeah. Um, he's like his sidekick. Uh, Baba Louie. Baba Louie, that's what it is. Uh, this is like really bringing back a lot of like Cartoon Network during the day when I was sick as a kid. Yep. Uh, just watching like reruns of the old Hanna Barbera stuff. Wacky Racers. That's no, I've heard they did uh they did a, a reimagining and an apocalyptic reimagining of the wacky racers. Yes, they did. Was that any good? Uh it was it wasn't bad. It was like a good I don't know if we'll do it for the show, but I suggest I would say like it's a good like Sunday read. Gotcha. That's what that's what this was. This was I was like, oh I'll, I'll just read this in the afternoon. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm gonna go to bed. Yeah. I guess I gotta Take a shower and go to bed now. Maybe call my parents. Yeah, I'll call my, my mom and dad and tell them I love them. And my best friends. Yeah. So uh, we both loved that. Uh, it was great. But next time, we're going to be reading Day Tripper. Uh, it's by Fabio and Gabriel, Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. I guess the best summary I have for it is that it's uh, the story of this guy's life. Each chapter is a different part of his life. You know, the first chapter is when he's 30. 
excuse me, it really jumps around, you know, the second chapter's when he's 10, the next one's when he's 28, so on and so forth, really jumping around the timeline. Uh, but he dies at the end of every chapter. Uh, and there are references to the fact that he had near-death experiences uh, throughout the book. So it's a very weird, surreal thing. Um, and I, I really liked it uh, when I read it a couple years ago. Uh, I went to a talk with uh, Fabio, with Moon and Ba, uh, and it was awesome. I want to say that they're brothers. They kept referring to each other as brothers. But who knows? Uh, they both are the authors and the writers of it. Uh, it's really awesome. Uh, and we're going to do it next time. I'll be honest. I might end up going and watching some Harvey Birdman attorney at law. Yeah. I, where is that? Is that on? I, I'm going to, I'm going to go find some. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think that's... Uh, did you see Harvey Birdman? Attorney General? I was just looking at it. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen that yet either. It's only one issue right, or episode, right? Yeah, it's like I think it's like a half an hour. Half hour special? I think so. All right. Well, <laughs> all right, Seven. Uh, but uh, all right, so that's it for this week. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Dad, do you have anything you want to say to the listeners before we get out of here? Uh, wash your hands, wear the fucking mask, just do it. Yep. Uh, and if you are a school who's opening, uh, remember, uh, I give you all of three weeks before you're going to have to shut back down. So what's the point? That's, um, that's how I feel about baseball too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that shit show. Yeah. Uh, so we'll catch you guys later. Uh, enjoy. Enjoy.